Nitas. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Kevin Stone. Adam Kirchin is scheduled to join us. He'll be joining us here shortly, and when he comes on, we'll get him on with us. Uh, Kevin, how are you this evening? Doing good, man. How are you? Just uh, off air planning how to get to Gillette on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. We were just talking off the air about the weather on Sunday, and, you know, in many ways, here we are talking about, you know, 6 to 12 inches of snow. We haven't had to have that conversation much the last couple of years. It's been nice. It sucks that, unfortunately, we're going to get the first storm of the season on Sunday. And while I know some people will say, well, you're a football guy. You should love that, and it's going to make for a cool atmosphere. It's not. I hate the snow. I'm not one of these hardos that pretends like football needs snow to be awesome. It doesn't. Snow is just kind of a a part of the deal, but you don't need snow to get a great game. It's, it's disappointing that we're going to get a snow game in the last game of the season, but it is what it is. Kevin and I will brave the elements and get there and, and give you um, some of the best coverage in the area for sure. Um, before we get started here, I do want to remind you guys that you can give our good friend Herb Devine a call at 781-254-2846. Herb runs Mortgage Right out of Situate, Massachusetts. He's been in the business for over 25 years. He's one of the best in the business. If you are looking to buy your first home or sell your current home, and get into your next home. If you need an experienced loan officer and lender who knows the business in and out and can help you, Herb is that guy. Again, give him a call at 781-254-2846 or shoot him an email at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to help you out. Again, when you are ready to buy your to buy your next home or sell your current home, you need experience on your side. Herb is that guy. All right, Kevin. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, Adam Kirchin is slated to join us here momentarily, but let's get started here. Look, we're not going to recap the Buffalo game. It happened on Sunday. John Lines and I broke it down on Patriots Pulse post game show. We talked about that already. I kind of want to look ahead to the rest of this week and this game on Sunday. Of course, this is a big week down at Foxborough. Could potentially be Bill Belichick's last week as, as the head coach of the New England Patriots after 24 seasons. You were up there today. We were talking about this before we went live, and you said that it was business as usual, but you also got a sense that the vibe was a little different. Yeah, so, look, it's Jets week. Belichick is going to act the same, whether it's his first year or his 50th year when it comes to the Jets. Um, I tweeted this earlier. There's a whole bunch of scenarios that could go down in terms of draft position. No matter what happens, you could offer him a billion dollars in full control, he will try to beat the Jets on Sunday. There's no, there's no question. I, I, yeah, I know for you the people the out there that are that are pulling for the yeah. loss for draft position, no shot. No shot. It ain't gonna happen. I, I, I yeah. they're gonna go all in to win this game. They've gone, they've gone all in all year. So, hundred percent. Having said that, you look at the injury report. Um, I don't know who's gonna play on Sunday. Um, and Bill was asked today if they considered sitting anyone. He scoffed at that idea. Again, they're not going to tank. Um, he said players want to play, so if they can, they will, and I get that. Um, I'm just not sure who's going to be out there, just body-wise. So, And we mentioned the weather. And it's been this way for weeks now. We've said it. They don't have to try to tank. They might lose anyways. Um, and I know they've won 15 straight against the Jets. If you're the Jets, you're coming in here to try to end that. Um, and, and again, those guys probably have um, hello, Adam. Hey, guys. Um, those guys probably have, um, you know, their vacations all planned and and their bags packed too. But look, if you're a Jet and you have a chance 
to not only end that streak against the Patriots, but also be the team that sends Bill Belichick away with a loss. That's something to play for if you're a New York Jet. So um, I think it's going to be a competitive game on Sunday. Uh, I do think the weather will play a factor. How could it not? Um, especially if it's as bad as they're saying. But there was a vibe as well. Yes, it was business as usual. And, and, and John, you've been in the locker room plenty of times. You know, even the past month or so, it hasn't felt like a wake or a funeral in there. Like they're going about their business in a professional way. And it felt the same way today. But amongst the media, at least, there's a feel that this might be Belichick's last week. And, um, and again, it's tough to tell from him because he acts the same way all the time. But there is a vibe down there, again, at least amongst the media that it's his last week. Players aren't going to touch those questions this week. Um, again, they're all playing for jobs and, and, and trying to put good stuff on film if they aren't here next year. So um, you're not going to get any outright quotes or, or anything like that about this being his last week. But there's a weird feeling down there. That's the best way I can explain it. Yeah, and we're just talking about this potentially being the last week of Bill Belichick's tenure here in New England after 24 seasons. Just some thoughts on that. I mean, Kevin was up there today. As he mentioned, the vibe was was business as usual, but you can also sense some, some trepidation in the air, especially amongst the media. There was definitely some uncertainty there. Just some thoughts on this potentially being Belichick's last week as the head coach of the New England Patriots. It's It's surreal in my opinion, because I was not a member of the media when Pete Carroll was the coach. I was not a member of the media. Uh, or I, I was a member of the media when Pete Carroll was the coach, but I didn't cover the past. It, I just, I, it's hard to imagine this team without him. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I am sort of like, well, maybe bring him back is because his tentacles are all over this entire franchise like and what happens when you remove the head of the snake you know like it's he is so much a part of what this team is has become has has been for the last 25 years so i i i almost can't really think about what it really means because he he is so everything to this franchise um and has been more successful than you could have ever dreamed when he came here. Like, what he was able to and, – and look, I understand people who say, well, oh, it's Brady. But it's not all Brady. No. It's not no. 100 to zero. Absolutely not. And if well, you think that, then you don't really know football. You weren't well, paying attention. I, I, just, I just feel like we've gone so far in that direction that you, you're really not appreciating exactly what Bill Belichick has done. Have the last few years been not as good? Of course. But I don't think – anyway. But I, I just feel like Belichick has done so much. I mean, the six Super Bowls, you know, I think that, sure, this could be hit, it, but you can, you can sort of make the argument that this is only the one bad season he's had in his entire tenure here. And just really when you're thinking of where, like, his fingerprints are all over the entire operation. It's like, you know, if you make Gerard Mayo the head coach, well, yeah, but he's a Belichick disciple, you know? And so um, it would be strange 
it'd be strange without this team with, with this team without Bill Belichick. That's all I'm saying. It, it's very strange to me that we're at this place now, you know, however many years later after everything that's gone down. Um, and what massive shoes the next person would have to fill. Right. I mean, and by the so, way, Kirchin, we can only see half your face. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. That's all right. My bad. Our viewing, our viewing audience wants to know what you look like. I know, um, yeah. No, like, I agree. It's, it's, look, yeah, it's going to be a lot different. I mean, again, he's been a head coach here for 24 years. And depending on who you talk to, there are some people out there that are going to tell you it's time. It's time to move on. It's run its course. They're going to have their third losing season in four years. They're going to miss the playoffs for the third time in four years. It's time. It's time to go in a new direction. And I tend to agree with that. And I've been on record as saying that if you're going to go in a new direction, really go in a new direction. Don't tell me you're going to go in a new direction and hire a guy that's in the building now. Don't tell me you're going to go in a new direction and hire someone that either played or coached under him previously. A new direction means you rip off the Band-Aid, you hire a general manager, and you let that general manager hire the coach. That's a new direction. That's We're going to have plenty of time in the coming days and weeks to talk about that, especially once we find out what's going to happen. But I agree with you. It is surreal. It's hard to believe that we're having a conversation like this, but all good things must come to an end. It ended with Brady four years ago. It eventually has to end with Belichick. Who knows what happens from here? I would imagine he wants to continue to coach. Obviously, breaking Shula's record means something to him. He's going to want to do that. And I think that that means something to this organization as well. We haven't talked about this enough, but don't, don't take for granted Bob Kraft's desire for Belichick to break that record here. I think that in his heart of hearts, he's always wanted that. And I do think that he still does. But the question is, how do you move forward with Bill Belichick as your general manager and your head football coach? I just don't think that it's going to work if he has two titles. I still think, and that's why I've been 50-50 on this, I still think that if they could somehow convince him to give up personnel control and focus on just coaching the football team, maybe he has final say over the final 53, then if they could convince him that that's the best course moving forward for the organization and for him, and he buys that, then he'll be your coach next year. But if he doesn't agree to that, I think he's gone. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. I know that a lot of people think that. I don't. And I'll go a step further. I'm not sure that Robert Kraft makes that call. That could end up being his son. That could end up being Jonathan Kraft's call. So for me, because let's face it, he's going to take over here at some point, and it's going to be his team, and he's he's going to have to make those decisions. All that being said, I don't think a decision has been made. I do think a decision will be made by next week. I would think we'll probably know by Wednesday, Thursday, maybe next Friday as to what's going to happen moving forward. I don't think it's a fait accompli like some people do. But, look, we've also talked about this. Bob Kraft has plenty of evidence to suggest that it's time to make a change. Like I said, they've had a losing season three out of the last four years. Seven and ten. 10 and 8, 8 and 9 last year. At best, you're staring at 5 and 12 this year. Most other coaches around the league would be gone by now. So, you know, here we are saying that it's it's hard for Kraft to pull the trigger and he's loyal and he doesn't want to do it and he would love to see Belichick break the record here. At the end of the day, 
the crafts are, are like every other owner in professional sports. They want to make money and they want to put a good product on the field and they care what the fans think. Public perception matters. And so don't think for one minute that from a, that from a PR standpoint, if they retain Belichick, don't think that they haven't talked about this and thought about what the fan reaction would be. Now, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, it's time to cut the cord. We got to move on. But I also think that there's the sentimental crowd out there that's saying, wait a minute, this guy built this here. He and Brady built this here. Are we, are we sure we're ready to move on? Are we sure we want to do this? We'll find out, but Sunday will definitely be interesting for sure. As we talked about earlier, the weather is going to be a factor. The Jets did announce today that Zach Wilson is still in concussion protocol, so he will not play on Sunday. Trevor Simeon is slated to get the start. Look, on paper, neither one of these teams has anything to really play for. In the case of the Patriots, obviously, draft position matters, but we've beaten the dead horse with this conversation. They're not tanking. They're going to play as many guys that are healthy as they can, and they're going to try to win this game. Now, look, I understand the tank crowd doesn't want them to win this game because, let's be honest, they could go from potentially having the third pick in the draft to possibly the sixth. That's a that's a big drop. But I've maintained, and we've talked about this in the past as well, if you want a quarterback with that first-round pick, if you're picking at six, then the hell with it. Spend some future compensation and go up and get that guy if you really want him that bad. That's my take on that. Again, we have plenty of time to talk about that. But, look, the bottom line is they're not going to tank. They're going to play to win. I agree with you, Kevin. I think that, that this will be a better crowd than we originally thought. I think if the weather was a, was better and, and Belichick's future wasn't necessarily on the line, I think you might end up having a 75% capacity stadium on Sunday. But I think with – this possibly being Belichick's last game. You know New Englanders love Patriot games in the snow. People will go because of of, of the feel of being in a snow game. I, I think you're going to get a good turnout. I think it should be an interesting game between two teams that are playing for nothing. So just to go back to Bill for a minute, I'm glad you brought this up. I was talking to um, Taylor Kyle, Sophie Weller, and Alex Barth, and Mike Catholic today about this. There's two things I want to ask. The same people you, you talk to every day there. Every single day. Um, just so just, I went just looking at, yeah, yeah, no, it's it was one of those good conversations. So, two things one, I think Jonathan has more pull in this decision than people might give him credit for. Um, Robert Kraft is, I think, 82 at some point, and we all, we all saw the video of Jonathan, you know, saying they're not good enough, um, and all that weeks and weeks and weeks ago. Now, I do think he has more say in this. Oh, I agree. Uh, this is going to be his team probably the next right. two to three years. So I think that's a big factor. Correct. I think that's a big factor. The other thing, too, you said we'll find out next week. Will they pull the trigger on Black Monday? Because I think so. No, I don't think they will. So I'd be shocked if they did. So I'm with you. But the thing that's starting to annoy me is the crowd that's saying it'd be disrespectful to Bill to lump him in with other head coaches on Black Monday. At some point, how many, you know, how much more can you keep pushing this off because it's a disrespectful move? At well, some well, point, I don't, I don't understand. I guess, so, I guess, my confusion though is why do you need to fire him on Monday? What, what, what is? No, why do you need to do that? No, so you don't. I'm saying 
if you want to get a jump start on this thing and do it, well, it doesn't it, matter. It's not college football. You're not getting a jump start on anything, whether you do it Monday or next Wednesday. Chances are no one's going to – let me put it to you this way. No one's going to hire anybody in the, in that three-day period. 100%. Um, but I do feel like if you're going to, you know, carry on as business as usual, yeah. at some point it can't be – Well, this No, I agree with you. I can't I, – I agree 100%. I don't think they can drag it out. That, so exactly. So they definitely can't drag it out because you, you have combine coming up in, you know, weeks from now. Um, they, have, they have to start their draft evaluation and figure out who's making those decisions – as soon as possible. So, um, and to your point, the other the other people that I was talking to said there's no shot, you know, that they fire him on Monday because it's disrespectful. And I just I can't keep bumping him in with or 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 bumping the move in with it being disrespectful. It's going to come at some point. So would I be surprised if it's Monday? Sure, but I also think you can do it Monday and it's not that big of a deal. Um, that's my whole thing. But and I go back to Kraft again just one more time. Robert walked through the locker room today, and you've, you've both seen him down there at times, just, you know, smiling ear to ear. So, uh, again, there was nothing different about their demeanor, but it's just the talk about when you can make this move and how you can make it, that's getting – it's going to happen eventually. So if it's going to happen, let's get it out of the way. I'm curious if you two think that it could happen on Monday or if they will prolong it a little bit. It's inter- it's an interesting point, Kev. I, I I'm of the belief that it doesn't matter really when you do it. You have to cut cords at some point. If you're going to fire the guy, it's going to be disrespectful anyway. You're firing the guy. It's like it's like breaking up with somebody in a in a you know in a in a good way. Yeah. You know, you're breaking up no, no matter what. It's not. Um, it's interesting. I you know I feel like. You know, you want it to be. You do. You do want it to be in a way that is respectful towards Bill. I just feel like there's no respectful way of firing a guy. Right. You know. So and I don't think they're gonna fire him. I think it'll yeah. be a mutual parting. Is my right. Guess. Right. Okay. The reason I don't think they'll fire yeah, I mean, him is uh, is because if they believe they can get compensation for him, they're gonna try to get compensation for him. He's got another year on his contract. I was gonna say. I was gonna say that's their best avenue still is to get something for him. If there's one thing ownership does care about, it's being the ownership that let Brady and Bill walk away for nothing. you got to get something for him if you can. Um, yeah. Yep, I agree. I And going back to um, – I know we've talked about tanking a lot. But, um, you know, another reason you don't tank is so you don't turn into what is going on in Denver, which is – which is crazy right now. It's, I haven't. I don't know how much you guys have followed that story, but that's been right. a nut, a nutty set of circumstances. Uh, another reason too that I think you don't tank in football is sometimes if you're in the Patriots' position and you want to find out exactly how you want to move forward, you have a much better handle on what your weaknesses and your strengths are as a person group of personnel if you're playing to win if you're i don't think you can really judge how good you're going to be if you're trying to lose games and so that's just another point but i i know we don't want to stay on that but when it comes to belichick look he's gotten a lot of benefit of that but he's earned it you know 
like he's 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 put this team in a stratosphere. Um, so I'm, you know, again, I, I don't know how it's gonna go. Uh, um, it's 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 incredibly interesting. It's it's fascinating to watch to see how this comes down to the the very end here. Um, and I'm curious to see Sunday's game just because I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a very different atmosphere. I'm I'm curious to see how it goes down. Yeah, I don't think it, it for me, I don't think it matters when this happens, assuming it does happen. I, I, I don't think that they gain anything by doing it Monday. And I don't think that this is a normal circumstance. There's a couple of things to consider here. One, he's got a year left on his contract. He's going to be a, a coach who teams, particularly the Washington Commanders, Adam Kirchin's Washington Commanders, are going to be interested in. And I don't care what anybody says. And I know people are talking about the Chargers and the Cowboys potentially if they trip up and they fire McCarthy. Look, the best fit for him if he's not here is going to be Washington because that's where he's going to get full control and he's going to get to coach the team because Josh Harris and that ownership group want to make a splash. They want to win again. They're going to be willing to spend. They want to make Washington a relevant football city again. And the best way to do it is to go out and get arguably the greatest coach of all time. So for me, I don't think they fire him Monday because they have to consider the possibility of, of trading him. And I think the other part of it is, Look, they can fire him. Just because he's been here 24 years and won six Super Bowls doesn't mean they can't fire him. They could fire him. If the Dallas Cowboys can move on from Tom Landry, they could fire Bill Belichick, okay? It can happen. So the way I look at it is wait and see how those conversations go. If you decide you want to move on, I think the best thing to do is, is to mutually part ways. That way the organization saves some face Belichick saves some face. And then if the opportunity is there to potentially trade for him, because my guess is Washington is going to fire Rivera on Monday. If the opportunity is there to potentially trade him, let's say to the commanders, and it could be a homecoming from him. He's from Annapolis, Maryland, and all this other stuff. Then maybe you trade him and, and you pick up an extra draft pick. I don't think you get a first round pick for him, but you never know. You might be able to get a, a, a round three pick for him or, or, or a fourth round pick for him. Who knows? My point is, if you could potentially trade him to another organization and get compensation, you should try to do that. Now, the other thing here is, is what is their process going to look like to replace him? Is it going to be Mayo? Of course, Greg Bedard put out that report the other day in regards to Mayo and his attitude within the building, which I do want to get your take on that real quick before we move on to some other uh, football talk in the area. I thought that was interesting. I also thought the timing of it was very interesting as well. Mayo did talk about it yesterday when he met with the media. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you gain anything by firing him on Monday. But I also agree with you, Kevin, that I don't think you drag this out. You've got to make a decision because we're into January. You're going to get that the college all-star games are going to be starting up now. You're going to have the Hula Bowl. You're going to have the East-West Shrine game. Uh, you're going to have um, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, eventually the Senior Bowl. And then you're going to end up having the combine. So you, you're going to want to have people in place for those things. So I don't think they're going to drag this out. I think we're going to find out next week. I'm just not sure it's going to be Monday. But real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Mayo thing and, and him, quote, rubbing people the wrong way in the building. So I wrote about this yesterday. First of all, I was genuinely surprised that he even answered the question as detailed as he did. That, that was an easy spot for 
you know, I respect the question. We're getting ready for the Jets. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to do that. And I'll tell oh. you why, not to cut you off, it's smart for him to answer it the way he did because I think that's his way of saying that if I am the next guy here, I'm going to be my own man. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to act like my predecessor. I'm going to do things my way. So no, it was and, smart on his part to do it. And to that point, he sounded like a head coach yesterday. Um, he sounded like a leader of men and a guy uh, who knows that you can't just be a robot like Bill has been for 20-plus years. So um, I was surprised just about how he acknowledged it. It bothered him um, at the very least. But again, to your point, it, it's showing that he's his own man. So uh, very, I, I couldn't respect him more for answering it the way he did and just to, I guess to back him up for lack of a better term, if you're him and you know, or have an idea that you're the next guy, you need to know who the rat is because you need to know that everyone is pulling in the same direction and ultimately has your back and not trying to sabotage you or, or try to take your position. So, um, and, and Bedard made a point on the radio yesterday to say, this is not players. It's people, you know, that he works with and interacts with, in the building. So you really need to find out who it is because you don't necessarily know, um, again, who's trying to undermine you if he does end up being the guy. So uh, that's another completely fascinating story and a whole another angle to all of this because if he is that next guy, again, you need to find out who's talking and why they were talking, um, especially if you're going to go run this organization that's been so tightly knit for 25 years now. Yeah, I think those are good points, Kev. But I, it's funny when I when I heard about this and when I saw um, the stuff about Bedard. So I don't think rubbing people the wrong way is the worst thing in the world. You know, like I think Which it happens. What he said. Yeah, yeah. No, I did see that. Um, but I agree with him. Like, if <laughs> how many people do you think Bill Belichick has rubbed the wrong way? <laughs> in the last 25 years i mean it's a lot of people you know so um if i were him i, I guess i'd want to know who's saying that stuff but also i'd be like all right well maybe i'm doing something right like this you can't you can't please everybody all the time and if you are it's probably probably not doing the right thing yeah i thought the timing of it was interesting for sure i i, I thought that for for me I thought that the timing was interesting because why is this coming out now? Why are people telling this to Bedard or anybody else in the media now? Um, part of me thought at first when I saw it, okay, is this, could this potentially be something that was purposely leaked out by the organization? Could it be something that could be coming from people around Belichick? Like, who knows? Um, I, I think that this is a bad look for all parties involved. Um, I think it's a bad look because I think, one, it says that the house is in an order, that stuff is getting out now, which is not good because, let's face it, that place has been Fort Knox for 24-plus years. Um, I think it's a bad look for the Patriots. I think it's a bad look for Belichick because there are going to be people out there in the media and fans alike that are going to assume that his camp is putting this out there to discredit Mayo. And I disagree. I think it's a bad look on Mayo. You don't want to rub people the wrong way because in order for you to have success, you need people pulling in the same direction. And if they're not pulling in the same direction because you're an asshole and you're pissing them off, well, then you're not going to win many football games. You can, you can rule with an iron fist when you're good 
and you can get away with it when you're good. And I agree that Bill Belichick has probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in that building and around the league. But Bill Belichick has six rings that he can he can put in your face and say, yeah, well, you got these, so shut the hell up. Gerard Mayo has a ring as a player, but the reality is he doesn't have the cachet and the credit that Belichick does. So you don't want to be rubbing people the wrong way. Because if, in fact, he is the next guy, you want to take this thing in another direction, right? We talk about this all the time in the media, about how it's been increasingly difficult this year to sit, to, to deal with Bill and, to, and what's going on when he's not being transparent and honest at times. And I'm not saying that Mayo is going to hand out copies of the game plan every week and tell the media what he's going to do if he is the next guy. But I do think he, he needs to do things differently. It needs to be a different approach out there. It can't be this, this totalitarian approach that Belichick has taken for the last 24 years. I think Mayo needs to be a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you, because that's going to be the first sign that the direction is going, that the franchise is going in another direction. So, yeah, if he's already rubbing people the wrong way, I think it, it's bad news for him. And he, and it could end up costing him the job potentially. I know everybody sees him as a head coach and thinks he's going to have all these opportunities. You never know, for one. You you could be hot one offseason and then fall off the radar in the next one. So Look at um, Josh Jacobs. Right. So my point is, yeah, I don't think it's a good look for him if he's rubbing people the wrong way. I'm glad that he answered the question the way he did. I disagree with him that rubbing people the wrong way is a good thing or that it's a part of the deal. It's not. Rubbing people the wrong way, it's one thing if you rub players the wrong way sometimes. And it's one thing if you might rub some people in the building the wrong way because you're stubborn and you want to do things a certain way. But we don't know how he's rubbing people the wrong way, and we don't want to speculate. But the one thing I will say is if you're walking around being an a-hole and rubbing people the wrong way, you're not going to last. That's a problem. You're not going to last. You're not going to win. Uh, like I said, in this business and in any business, if you're a leader of men and women and you want to have success, you've got to get them pulling in the right direction, male or female. Whether the leader is a male or a female or the people following are males or females, you've got to get them going in the same direction. So uh, I certainly hope that if he is rubbing people the wrong way, if there is such a thing, I hope it's in a good way. Who knows? Maybe it's he's doing it to motivate. But I find the timing of it fascinating. Uh, do you and, and real quick, because I do want to move on here. I want to talk about um, Boston College and the Fenway Bowl. Um, but do, do you think? Do you believe the report? Do you think the report is accurate? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think he's. I mean, it'd be really hard for it to be not accurate, right? I mean, he's 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 getting information from his, a source that he tried. He, I don't think he'd print it if it wasn't accurate. Yeah, well, I got, you I have trust more faith him. in the media than I do. <laughs> I, I, I trust his work. I trust his work a lot. I was just gonna say I, I do trust Bedard, just in terms of the reporting aspect. And again, he doubled down yesterday, reiterating that it's not players; it's it's people around the building. So, you know, I started trying to think of who it could be, and um, I have absolutely no idea. But um, timing-wise, it is strange, and uh, and Mayo addressed that yesterday too. It only comes out when his name starts coming up as a successor successor if i could speak so um it, it's definitely weird timing and part of me did think it was bill belichick's camp you know maybe mayo has started to act a little bit 
suddenly like it's his job around there and uh, maybe Belichick won't knock him down a peg. Who knows? That's a complete guess. But um, you're right. It's it's a bad look for everyone because, again, whoever takes over, how can you trust that people aren't talking behind your back? So it, it's a mess right now. Well, and, it, and, it, and to your point, it yeah. it sets it sets the stage for if, let's say, he is the next guy, you're already on shaky ground. you got people right. in the it, building that are running to – members of the of the local media and telling them things. That's not good. Yeah, and look, we've again, we've all been around players in that locker room. I don't think anyone has a problem in that locker room with him. Um, if anything, I think he'd be great for that locker room as a head coach compared to what Bill is now. But again, if it's a, it's a staff member, let's say it's Bill O'Brien. What if it's Bill O'Brien trying to get the job before Mayo and he's going, I don't think it's him, by the way. Um, he just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, John. You know him a little bit better than we do, but yeah, no, it um, be no, but again, you need to find out if this is a staff member and you are going to bring people back and Mayo is one of those people, but he's now, now running things again. How can he go into a meeting room and look everyone in the eye and know that everyone is ultimately pulling in the same direction, trying to get this franchise turned around. So they need to, they might need to figure that out before they even make a decision on, on who the next guy is because whoever they hire is going to have trust issues. Yeah, no, it's interesting and it's fascinating. And, and I do believe that, that Bedard was told something and look, Greg's been in this business a long time. I I don't always agree with his takes, but I do think that he's, he's good at what he does. And I don't think he puts that out there. If it wasn't a credible source, I agree with you on that. I don't think he would put it out there if, if he didn't feel confident in what he was being told is is accurate. And again, let's not make this more than it is either. I mean, again, it could have been something that was told to him in passing. Yeah, you know, Gerard's, Gerard's kind of rubbing people the wrong way a little bit with the way he's approaching practice or game or whatever. He might have been told something to that effect, and he probably asked the source, hey, can I, can I go with it? And the source said, yeah, whatever, go ahead. It could be one of those situations. We don't know. We're not privy to those conversations, but – um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, listen, again, if you move on from Belichick, I, I still think you got to have an actual process here. And I do think you got to interview candidates outside the Belichick circle. I'm not sure they're going to do that. And hey, for all we know, Mike Vrabel could be available too. We know Robert Kraft's affinity for Mike Vrabel. I'm not so sure he's not the next guy either. And I think a lot of Patriot yeah. fans, because he's going to be somebody that Kraft can sell to Patriot fans, which I think is another part well, of this that we don't talk about enough. Whoever the next guy is has to be someone that this family could sell to the fan base. I was just going to say to add to that, don't forget what he said in his speech at halftime when he was here. He was, you know, it's not it's not like this everywhere else. Appreciate the ownership you have here. Yeah. Um, he was milking it pretty good, too. And, so Kraft, and, Kraft's, and Kraft's contribution to Vrabel's uh, Hall of Fame speech was willing and Vrabel. So there you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a stupid joke, I would say, William Vrabel. But I, I again, I think that he's a very real possibility. I mean, if you saw that press conference yesterday in Tennessee, he's not happy down there. And there's reports that him and Rand Carthon aren't exactly on the same page down there. Of course, Carthon didn't hire him. He was John Robinson's guy. So and, I, I don't like sleep the, uh... on him. I know a lot of people want to anoint Mayo. Remember now, the league is trending towards former players becoming head coaches. It's kind of doing what's been happening in baseball in recent years. I think you're going to see more and more of it in the NFL now. He's a former player 
Patriot great, three-time Super Bowl winner. I think he'd, I think he'd, he'd please the fan base. I think a lot of people would be yeah, happy and, with that hire. He's a good coach. He's a good yeah. Coach. Yeah, and, yeah. And not that Tennessee needs the, um, I guess, the buzz down there, but they are getting a new stadium pretty soon. So if you can bring Bill Belichick in. No, and, and I, I don't think that they'd replace Vrabel with Belichick. I think I think they'd go with an offensive coach. You you have Will Levis there, uh, you know they're probably going to move on from Derrick Henry. I think they're going to want to bring in an offensive coach. That they've struggled offensively the last two or three years. I think that they would want to bring in an offensive coach to get Levis and that offense going. So um, we'll see. Again, we've got the entire off season to to talk about all these things. You are watching slash listening to, and our podcast. I said this last week. We've had an issue with it. We're working on it to try to get it back up and running. We will get it back up and running. But you're watching slash listening to the New England Football Show, sponsored by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. Just a reminder, if you're in the market to sell your current home or purchase your first home, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. Or you can shoot him an email at situate.mortgageright.com with over 25 years of experience in the real estate and lending industry. Herb is truly one of the best in the business. Hey, listen, there is no off-season in real estate. If you're ready to buy or sell now, jump into the market, especially now. The winter market is the ideal market for first-time home buyers. If you're looking to buy your first home, now is a good time to do it. While you may not have as much on the market, sellers are more inclined to, to listen to an offer and potentially sell. And you can also potentially get into the program you want now because there isn't as much competition with banks and lenders. So if you are ready to purchase your first home or you're ready to sell your current home and move into your next one, as I mentioned, give our good friend Herb Devine a call, 781-254-2846. All right, let's talk some Boston College football here. BC, of course, winning the Fenway Bowl on Thursday, beating SMU. And look, they finished seven and six on the season. This is a big win for this program. And I know a lot of people in this area, don't like Boston College football, and people were were not happy that they won. A bunch of people were making moronic comments about the amount of people that were at the game. I, I don't know, by the way, can I just say this? I mean, look, I know Twitter is what it is, and if you put out content, you're going to get backlash. People are going to say stupid things. Life is easy when you can hide behind a phone and a keyboard. But can people just shut the hell up with the attendance thing? Enough. We get it. You don't like Boston College. Okay, great. You, you said your piece, now shut the F up and move on. Nobody cares that you don't like Boston College, okay? It was 40 degrees and downpouring most of the day. Okay, they sold 25,000 tickets, 9,000 people didn't show up. That does not mean you can't have a bowl game at Fenway Park. That does not mean that it's a bad thing that BC won. That does not make the lack of a crowd an indictment of Boston College. It is what it is. Okay, it's just it's ridiculous. Anyway, I digress. Big win for the Eagles. Big win for Jeff Halfley. Thoughts on that? Adam, go ahead. I've already talked a lot about this. Not to us, though, Stone. (laughs) Uh, Well, first off, I want to like bolster what you said about the attendance. It's like, dude, most bowl games don't have big crowds anyway. Like, who cares? And I thought the people that were there were making a good amount of noise. It was a decent atmosphere. I, you it's know, a decent crowd, and I think that if it was a nice day, they would have got the they would have got everybody there. But, but, but people from around here don't know that, like, yo, you look at some of these, even these games, the bigger games, there's not a lot of huge crowds for the Bulls anymore. Who cares? Um, but when it comes to BC, 
I know their schedule is going to be tough next year compared to this year. But we've been talking about it, you know, with each other a bunch. BC's going to have something next year. And it's an amazing job by Jeff Halfley in order in him to sort of where they were at the beginning of this season and where they were at the end and for them to turn it around and win this bowl game against a good team. Uh, you know, I think they have to feel good about where they are. They have to feel good about their momentum. Look, their offensive line's coming back. They got they got a quarterback in Thomas Castellanos who nobody seems to know how to adequately defend. Uh, you know, or at least for the most part. They've got running backs coming back, good receivers. They'll be good on defense. You know, I think this year they had the schedule they really could have won nine games if if they had, you know, played consistently. But I think they might have a shot at it next year. And I, you know, you're going to have a little bit more juice in your step all off season because of how this season ended. It's just a, it's just a good thing for a team to win a bowl game. It really does still mean something in my opinion. Um and just look at how much their offensive line improved from last year to this year and then maybe do it again next year. It's going to be one of the top units in the country. Um and it, and, and one that sort of makes that whole uh, offensive line university stuff you know, come to fruition. They got some good guys coming back, really do. And guys from Massachusetts like Drew Kendall and Ozzy Trapillo. So I'm excited to see what they can do. And, you know, they have, again, look, we, we talked about it all year. They have a running game again. It, that's awesome. You know, like that's the best. And, and I'll say this. That's why they won this game. Oh, yeah. And that's why they look like Boston College again. They couldn't run the ball worth crap. His first three years, okay, right, and 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 by by making Cassie Castellanos a quarterback, you bring in Kai Robichaux. They leaned on SMU in that game. They won twenty three to fourteen because they were the more physical team. They played to the elements. They leaned on him. Look, Castellanos is a dude. Let's be honest. At, at the collegiate level, the kid is a dude. How he pr- profiles at the next level probably doesn't profile as a quarterback, but at this level. He's a dude. He's going to be back next year. He values being at Boston College, but I think a big reason why they won seven games this year and won a bowl game is they returned back to their identity. This is yeah. how you have to play to have success in New England. In New England, and that's Boston College football right there. That's big line, good backs, fast. You know, a quarterback who can move. I mean, I'm. You know, look. I think there's real reasons to be. Excited about what this team can do. They have to mature. They have to continue to get better in the passing game. But I think they really have, you know, like for instance, and and, and it's so great to see local kids be, being the ones who are doing so well. This this Jaden Skeet is really coming into his own as a wide receiver from Catholic Memorial. Um, you know, I just I think this this team really has a shot at doing something. And again, and Johnny touched on it. A lot of people in the area don't like BC football. You know, it's, they don't have that same advantage that this, uh, other schools have around the country, where every where, where the local fans really hop on board. You know, like the, the people you know, that root for BC root for BC, and then the ones that don't really don't. Oh, it's it's the idiots from Northeastern and BU too who think that they don't have football anymore, so they hate on Boston College because 
They're a rival. You're not rivals, okay? You're, you're not. I'm sorry. You don't have football. Your athletic department is not as big as BC, so please please stop. You're not even in the same stratosphere. Stone, what do you think? All right, well, for starters, Adam, since you brought him up, Jaden Skeet is a fantastic interview. Uh, if him and Joe Griffin, especially Joe Griffin, who kind of fell off this year, if those two can be what we think they are, their receiving core is deep as hell next year. Um, so I'd like to see Joe Griffin have a bigger year. I do think Jaden Ski will have a phenomenal year next year as a sophomore. Um, backing up, as far as the bowl game goes, I was wrong. Um, and by the way, you were, missed. you were missed at that game. Uh-oh. It was Believe good. The, the me, ball busting was tremendous. It was awesome. I'm, I'm well and, I, and I'm not going to lie well. to you. I fed into it. I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> um, I had 20 reports. I even had Halfley on my ass. So. I, I got to um, tell you, dude, it was funny at the end. Press conference is over. He gets – Castellanos gets up. Cam Arnold gets up. They're walking away. Half get, half gets up, stops, looks. Where's Kevin? And then he walks off. <laughs> you're a celebrity. So what can well, I say, man? In the BC world, he you're was a celebrity. Well, he was well aware a week ahead of time I wasn't going to be there, and I got plenty of shit Well, he it. said to me, he goes, yeah, where's Kevin? I said, don't worry about where Kevin is. You got the varsity here today. You're good. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, no, congratulations, Coach, first of all. Um, it was honestly, it was nice to see him be able to raise a trophy finally. Yeah, um, they may again, we keep we keep saying it. They were bowl eligible three out of four years. Um, and he that's the first chance he had to do that. So that was cool that it was in Fenway. Um, given the layoff, I was most impressed with the effort on defense, um, especially with a lot of the kids that were missing. They had some real, some serious, you know, bodies missing from that game on both sides. And to shut out SMU, I, I know whether obviously played a yeah, factor. Yeah, and, and their quarterback but, opted out. But that's a very yeah, good I'm, offense. I mean, they won 11 games. 100%. Yeah, so to, to shut them out in the second half, that's a damn good performance. Um, as far as Castellanos goes, I've said this for weeks now, if not months. Yes, he is a dude as a runner. John, you can speak to this better than I can. The interception was horrendous. And he has a lot yeah. of them. Um, he needs decision to maker as a passer this offseason. 100%. 100%. If, this, if that offense, I should say, that offense can be elite next year if he's a better passer, particularly their play action game. Between him running the ball and Kyle Robichaud being back and other guys that you still have, um, if you can develop that play action game more, that offense is going to be very, very dangerous. But you need him to be a better passer no matter what. And more so a better decision maker. Um, he does have a good arm, but the decision making is wild to me still. Um, so he has a lot of work to do in the offseason. They're not done in the portal. We've talked about that. Um, you guys mentioned the schedule. It is going to be harder. They're going to see SMU plenty um, these next few years. So that might the first be first month of next year. They play happen. at Mizzou and host Michigan yeah. State. So yeah, it's going to be so, a tough schedule. Uh, everything about that bowl game was good for them. Uh, look, the fan base doesn't even like the team sometimes. So the fact that they were complaining about attendance is, but, is but Honestly, Kevin, I don't think it's the fan base that's complaining about attendance. I think it's people outside no, the fan base. It was. But uh, but jokingly, I'm saying that their fan base hates the team half the time. Anyway, no, I agree. So, uh, so uh, look, I, I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a bad look. I thought – and it, it looked at the on TV, yes. Well, let's um, be real here. Let's say that they got invited to the military bowl. Or even the pinstripe bowl, a more regional game. Do you really think that they would have traveled to those games? Because I don't. No. 
No, same thing. And I think um, that's as good as a crowd that they that's as good as a crowd as they would have gotten for a bad weather game, what they got. But I think yeah. if it was a nice day and they and they got the full allotment there, and the crowd was probably 80, 20 BC anyway, even with the bad weather. But let's say it was a nice day and all twenty five thousand tickets you sold, all those people showed up. That's yeah. about as many BC football fans as you're going to get in one place. You weren't going to get more if you played the game in Annapolis or or Yankee Stadium. They weren't going to travel. That, that's like oh, a, that's like a, a, a that that's just a, that's just hilarious to me that people think that this fan base is going to go to to, to Annapolis or or Yankee Stadium. They're just not. Uh-huh. This this is half, why they got picked no. for this bowl game. Half the time. They have bad crowds in their own stadium, you know. Right. So I mean, no. I, I don't, I don't know why people fixate on the attendance. It's, it is what it is. It's a bowl game in, in two thousand twenty three, two thousand twenty four. It is what it is. Yeah, no, and, and part of me giving the Fenway Bowl shit is just personal experience from Fenway. So um, look, I was wrong. They, nice. they took it more seriously than I thought they would. Um, they, again, the effort. The effort during game days impressed me the most because of that layoff. That's why a, a two and a half, three week layoff. Um, and, and right away you had um, Donovan Ezeraku with the strip on on the first series of the game. I think it was so they were ready. They were, um, and most importantly, it shows that they're continuing to buy into and the coaching staff message in general. And real quick on the running game and the offensive line, I've said this a lot now. Matt Applebaum deserves way more credit than he is getting. Um, that hire was trashed by the fan base and by others outside. Which I don't understand. Base. No, and I didn't either at the time. You lost Alec Lindstrom, Zion Johnson, Ben Petroy, and I'm forgetting someone else uh, when, when he was there. So I don't know what fans were expecting, but he had a lot to do with that line turning around, and he didn't have Christian Mahogany in the bowl game. Um, and they still ran for what two fifty, I think it was. So yeah. Um, yeah. he deserves a ton more credit than he got, and and that's a credit to Halfley as well for bringing him back on staff. So uh, I I have been almost too optimistic about BC the last three or four years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna temper those expectations for now until we at least get in the spring ball. But uh, like Adam said to start, it's hard not to think that they'll be a really good team next year. And don't forget about that 12-team playoff. You know, there's something there's something at the end of the road there. I'm not saying they're going to make it. I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC. But it opens a lot more doors for yes. a lot more teams. You're playing for a lot more now, not right. just, not and, just and a bowl bid. And that affects recruiting as well. Um, so, look, yeah, I do think they're going to be better. Um, I'm happy they won that bowl game. It does, you know, build some positive momentum heading into the offseason. But I think the biggest thing – is Castellanos' development. He needs to get better. Yeah, to me, it's stability. Yeah. You're stable at the coaching spot. You're stable at the, even though he has to get better passer, you're stable at the quarterback spot. You're stable at offensive line. You're stable most of these skill positions. I think, you know, a, you know, we don't want to fly too off the handle, but I do think they have a chance to have a very good year next. Yeah, and, and I'm not – look, people are entitled to their opinions. And you and I went back and forth the other night with your bowl opinion. I mean, it is what it is. People are entitled to their opinions. But I just – it just got – look, I get it. You don't like Boston College. Fine. But don't sit there and 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 shit on them playing in a bowl game 
or, or and 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 make nonsensical commentary about the attendance. I mean, again, it it poured on Thursday. I'm not making excuses. And there's probably a good chance that if the weather was fine, they weren't going to get all 25,000 people that bought tickets. Look, there's a lot of issues with the bowl concept right now, okay? We talked about this on Thursday when I was at the game. Why is an 11-win SMU team playing in the Fenway Bowl? For one, that's the issue. Now, supposedly their people told us they wanted to come up here and play in that game. They they were going to play in it two years ago, got canceled by COVID. They wanted to come back. I get it. But again, they're not going to travel. People from Dallas and that SMU alumni and that fan base, they're not going to come to Boston the week of, of Christmas and New Year's for a bowl game. So I think that that's a big part of the problem here is that the reason why attendance is down is because you're asking people to travel to neutral site games to support their team. And the reality is, and, and I think a lot of people aren't taking this into account either. Times are tough financially. You, you don't think that matters in this equation? You don't think that that's an issue? The reason why the attendance was down for these bowl games is probably because a lot of people just don't have the extra cash right now to say, hey, I'm going to plop down two grand between flights, hotels, tickets, and food to go watch my team playing what amounts to an exhibition game. You know, this is something, and Kirby Smart talked about this after the Orange Bowl. College football has a real problem on its hands right now, and it needs to be fixed. It all needs to be fixed. The portal is a shit show. NIL is a joke. The bowl games have become a joke. The opt-outs. College football is at a crossroads. It has a lot of problems right now. And no one seeming is, is seems to be interested in stepping up and leading the charge to fix things. But, again, it just amazes me that people continue to just I, – I, I just – I just don't understand what the big deal is. I, you can hate BC, but to sit there and to beat the dead horse with the attendance, it just doesn't make any sense to me. We do have a quick comment in. Um, AJ joins the show. AJ, thanks for jumping on, my friend. Appreciate it. No effort by anyone to fill the stands. Yeah, I agree. So Again, I think I think some of this is economic too, right? People just don't have that that extra money lying around that they could spend on, on a trip like that. So I 100% agree with you there. But you think UMass and UConn fans paying that place out more? Because I do. I think maybe. Yeah, I'm not gonna disagree with you there. They yeah, probably just, do. Yes, yeah, I think UMass fans definitely do because they're just dying to go to some bowl game. Correct. You could tell UMass you're playing in the Alaska Bowl, in the Salmon Bowl, and they're gonna show up there. I mean, they, right. they just want to see them in a bowl game. Yeah, it just depends on the fan base. I agree. I agree. I don't I don't think the Boston College fan base is the most engaged fan base. I think that there's a population of their fan base and their alumni that is engaged, but I also think that there's a large part of their fan base that's older, that may not be on social media. You know, it's it's the old fogey crowd. I think they have that's a big part of their fan base. That crowd's not as engaged. And and how do we and and by the way, how, how do we judge engagement? Social media. Well, they're not as engaged. So that's probably part of it. That they still think that Cowboy Jack is the head coach. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. when's Flutie coming back? Is he going <laughs> to enter the portal? Well, I, I did have a guy retweet a Walt Bell interview we had today. So, um, those UMass fans, don't forget. No. Well, that's their way of reminding us. Remember now, we were paying Walt Bell to come on with us. We don't forget that the stupid bullshit from that fan base either. Trust me. 
So, you know, we appreciate them, but we got a lot of grief. We got grief for giving them access to their head coach to ask questions. The nerve of us. (laughs) I honestly feel like the UMass fans act more like a college fan base that I'm familiar with. I agree more. Like they're much more of a college fan base than the Boston College fan base. Same thing with UConn. Yeah, I mean, and people might not know what that means, but it's it's just just the 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 total passion and up and down and all that stuff. It's it's very typical. Like like, and I think part of the problem too is Boston College is a city school. Colleges that are in cities typically, some of them struggle with fan interest in all sports. I mean, you were at the basketball game last night. Was it sold out? Stone? God, no. God, no. Right. No, God, go. no. Um, students, were, I mean, students weren't back, but no, it was half full. And I, I think a lot that of that, game. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, like, there's a lot of ambivalence towards college sports in general here. So you don't get as many of those yeah. casual fans slipping in. Yeah, no, they pride themselves as being a pro sports town. So it's, it's a hard market to, to have a presence in. It really is. And, 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 and again, you go out to, to Western Mass, it's a little easier with UMass out there. And certainly with UConn, you don't have any pro sports teams. I mean, the Whalers have been gone for a long time now, so UConn doesn't have a lot of competition in its own state. So I definitely think that that's part of it. All right, real quick before we wrap it up here, Adam, I know that you're going to be unveiling your All-State team on Sunday. We are also going to be unveiling our Division uh, 1 through 8 in Massachusetts Coaches and Players of the Year. We're also eventually going to unveil our Connecticut All-Star teams and our Players and Coaches of the Year there as well. We're going to be doing that next week. Um, but real quick, Adam, I just wanted to, you know, just to have you, um, you know, let our listening audience and our viewing audience know what we can look forward to. It's an interesting year. This year, I mean, you're going to see it a lot with the way the quarterbacks are performing in this state. But it was a lot. I mean, a lot of good quarterbacks on this list. Um, first team, second team, third team. And then, like, a lot of the guys we are we're, – we're putting some guys at the athlete position just so they're on those first, second, and third teams and not, you know, coming in on honorable mention. Um, but it's just great. It's so much – it's a fun process for me to talk to coaches and to watch film and sort of see – like, a lot of these guys already put their season highlights up. And like it's like wow, these guys are unbelievable. Uh, a lot of good running backs too. Um, you know, it's um, they, and and we got like some of these honorable mentions in any other year would be first or second or third team guys, but it's it's just there's so many good players in the state this year. Um, it's so much fun to you know see how it goes, and I'm confident that we have a good list. But then again, I will have to say there's guys that we're not going to have on there. That didn't make the team. That doesn't mean I don't respect you as a player. I think I think everybody who suits up uh, in, in this sport in this state is a great player. So um, you know, it's just a it's a it's a lot of fun to do. We do them every year, and it's fun to sort of debate who's better. Um, but I've I've just had a lot of fun putting this together, and it's been it's been so much uh, so much fun. And and really like when these guys throw their highlights up, it's so fun to watch. Like what they do over the course of those seasons. It's, it's sometimes you, it looks like you're watching a college player already. Yeah. And I do want to say real quick that all of our coaches and players of the years will be receiving plaques 
from our good friends at Championship Award, guys. Ken Alley and his crew do a tremendous, tremendous job. They're a great partner. We're so thankful to have them as partners. They're, they're great advocates for the game of football in Massachusetts and in New England. So each of our coaches and players of the year in Divisions 1 through 8 in Massachusetts in class and in, in the six classes in Connecticut will be receiving plaques courtesy of Championship Award, guys. So I wanted to get in there. I want to get that in there. All right, gentlemen, final thoughts here. It's crazy that college football season's over soon. I'm actually very, even though I'm a fan of an SEC team, it's so great to see a a non uh, or a championship game with no SEC teams in it. I think it's just good for the sport. Just spreads it spreads the wealth a little bit more. Um, so I can't wait. I don't care really who wins Michigan or Washington. I'm just glad it's you know not going to be Alabama again. <laughs> Um, for me, A, Happy New Year to you guys and everyone else. B, uh, if you go in the game Sunday and there is some type of opportunity that either the team gives with Belichick or the Jumbotron or or something that kind of happens organically, I hope he's not booed. I hope he gets the, the ovation he deserves. Uh, 25 years of, of excellence shouldn't be forgotten just because they're 5-12. and 12. Um, So I do hope there is a moment there on Sunday, even with the bad weather and all that. Um, and I do hope it's um, it's done correctly. I'll, I'll leave it that way. Yeah, uh, Kirkshin is an Ohio State fan. I beg to differ, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, you know my feelings about one of the participants. And yeah. out of respect for many of the young men from the state of Massachusetts are going to be playing in that game, I will be rooting for them individually um, <laughs> because they're mass-made and we want to see them succeed. Um, but, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, real quick, I wanted to to talk about Monday night because during that Washington-Texas game, there was a lot of people around here that were uh, pretty amped up about Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback from Washington. And, and and you know, I, it was great to get some draft talk in. It was nice to interact with folks out there on Twitter talking about Penix and the draft and the quarterbacks. Um, but a couple of people, you know, said to me, What are you talking about? There's no flaws in his game. What do you mean? Well, here's the thing. And I'm going to use this kind of as a reminder because we're going to be talking about the draft extensively in the next coming days, weeks, and months. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder when it comes to this process. And while Penix Jr. may look good to you and to countless other people out there, NFL teams don't operate like you do. They're the ones that have to write the check and pay him when they draft him. And so I think it's important to understand that in this process, you may want the Patriots to draft him, but whoever makes that decision may not want to draft a 24-year-old quarterback who's had two ACL injuries. So, again, I think we have to be measured in how we approach this conversation because quarterback, especially if someone else is going to be making that decision, quarterback is going to be the position, and I wrote about this on Sunday, they need to take a quarterback with that first-round pick. I wasn't on that wagon all season long. But after watching what after watching Zappi struggle on Sunday, throw the three picks, and then watching Jordan Love pick apart the Vikings on Sunday on Sunday night, I walked away from that experience saying to myself, they need to take a quarterback with that first round pick. We're gonna have this conversation a lot the rest of the offseason. We're gonna talk about it until the draft. But again, just because somebody looks good in one game doesn't mean they're a fit doesn't mean that the team is going to see it like you do. I think it's there's going to be a lot of contentious conversations on social media about what the Patriots should do with this pick in April's draft and whether or not it should be a quarterback. 
I, I would have an open mind on that conversation. All right, gentlemen, great show as always. Adam, good to see you. Looking forward to seeing the All-State list on Sunday. We're also going to have our college uh, All-Star lists this weekend as well. We haven't put that out yet. And as I mentioned, we're also going to unveil our Division One through Eight Coaches and Players of the Years. Stone, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, at Gillette on Sunday. Bring your snowshoes. You're going to need them. And that's it. Anything else? Nope. Stay with us. We're good. All right. And and just to kind of uh, piggyback on what Kevin said, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you guys. And uh, we'll be doing this again next week. For Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin, I'm John Serenitas. Till next time, peace. See ya.